Support for WAER Original Podcasts comes from California Closets of Syracuse, located in DeWitt. California Closets can help you get your entire home organized with custom design storage solutions for the home office, kitchen pantry, closets, and more. Online at californiaclosets.com. It's beginning to look a lot like, okay, most of you will be able to fill in the blank. It's Christmas. Now, some of you are probably humming happily along to this Yuletide classic. Others may be wanting to punch me in the nose. Now, while at its heart, Christmas is a religious holiday, it has grown into a global cultural phenomenon focused on charity and goodwill towards all or on massive crowds, frustrated shoppers, and awkward family meals, depending on your perspective. Still, whether you are scrambling to find your garish red and green sweater in time for the coming holiday party season, or you are dreading the search for crumpled gift wrapping paper, odds are everyone has at least one Christmas movie that can still melt your heart and put a smile on your face. Whether it's Susan Walker realizing Chris is the real Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street, or George Bailey finding Zuzu's petals in It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas movies continue to be a mainstay of the holiday season. I'm Kendall Phillips, and in recognition of the impact Christmas has had on our pop life, this month we'll be focusing on Christmas movies, beginning with today's episode, where we'll look at the iconic classics that have shaped the meaning of the holiday. Joining me is regular Pop Life guest and classic Hollywood expert, Dr. Will Scheibel. Will is a professor in the Department of English at Syracuse University and author of numerous articles and books, including his most recent, a book, Gene Tierney, star of Hollywood's Homefront. Will, welcome back to Pop Life. Thanks so much for having me back. So, Will, I mean, when I think of Christmas, you almost can't help but think of of movies. So for you, as a person who really studies classical Hollywood, give me like the pantheon Mm -hmm. of classic Hollywood's Christmas movies. Well, two of the most canonical examples are the two that you just mentioned. Um, It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. They're the two movies that I would guess, you know, whether people watch Christmas movies or watch classic Hollywood movies, most people, even my students' age, probably at least have heard of them or seen bits and pieces on television. Um, other examples, Holiday Inn, which is a musical from 1942 starring Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. That's actually the film that features the song White Christmas. Um, that film was remade in 1954, and that film was called White Christmas, but the song did not originate there. <laughs> um, and Bing Crosby teams up with Danny Kay in that film. Those are both uh, perennial classics that uh, you'll likely find on some television channel. Um, Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, that's the movie where Judy Garland sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, the Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant and Loretta Young, uh, sort of supernatural uh, Christmas romantic comedy. Um, another one that uh, I think is is a really cool film from this period, uh, it's an early 40s romantic comedy called Remember the Night, and oh. it stars Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray. And people who know classic Hollywood might think Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity, also a great movie, not a Christmas movie. Definitely a, a, not a Christmas movie. A yes. dark <laughs> noir uh, film about a... Um, an insurance salesman who gets lured into this uh, plot to bump off a woman's wife. Um, Remember the Night is 
um, uh, sort of the the happier twin to that. Did film. that come out first? Remember the night. Remember the night actually came out first. Yeah. I would think so. I would think <laughs> after you bumped off someone's you know spouse for. Uh, money, it's, it's going to be hard to come back. Exactly. And, a, and a look romantic... at that couple the same way. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it was? Because when, when I was looking, you know, through a similar sort of list and sort of thinking, okay, thinking of all the, the classic Hollywood movies for Christmas, there's so many came in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Like it really seemed like the 1940s. Do you have any sense of kind of why that might have been? Why were the 40s just the time when everybody had to get out and make a, a Christmas movie? So um, the 40s is kind of right at the heart of the classical Hollywood period, right at the heart of the classical studio era. Um, and when we talk about classical Hollywood, um, you know, that's a that's a term that's kind of thrown around loosely. And, and um, you know, people might be thinking, well, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, that's a classic, right? You know, and no disrespect to that film. But um, when I'm uh, using the term classical Hollywood, I'm, I'm referring to the period from um, the beginning of the the studio era in the late 1920s, early 1930s, right at the conversion to sound up through the early 1960s. So the 1940s is kind of right at the heart um, of that period. And um, a lot of the major genres are getting concretized at that time. The the small town family comedy, the musical, the um, uh, romantic melodrama, um, and uh, a lot of the stars that uh, we see in these films were kind of at the height of their career. So a lot of these films were conceived like a lot of classical Hollywood films, as vehicles for the stars, the major stars who are under contract at particular studios and um, popular genres that had been proven to be bankable. Um, And so um, a lot of these films are right at the kind of nexus point of we need a a musical vehicle for Fred Astaire. Um, And, um, you know, we have an opportunity to um, showcase Christmas music. People like Christmas music. And so it's kind of a one plus one equals two sort of thing. Yeah, it is interesting how many of those that you mentioned have as their main hook some song that would then become sort of iconic. But I do mm-hmm. wonder, you know, because I think the stars are an interesting question, but but I'm also wondering about that period, I guess, of the war and post-war. Because mm-hmm. I, when I think of almost all of these films, they're kind of feel-good films. Mm-hmm. Right? These are not films where, you know, the later, darker period of the 70s and 80s, these are, these are films where, you know, George Bailey realizes it's a wonderful mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. he finds the petals and an angel gets its wing and, and everybody falls in love and everything works out. So I'm wondering if, that was part of the impetus for these Christmas movies was let's find a way to feel good. Yeah. I, um, you know, the, the films that were made uh, in the early to mid-1940s uh, during the period when the United States was involved in World War II. And even just after that period, um, a lot of the Hollywood films were invested in escapist entertainment, mm. um, feel-good movies, like you say, um, movies that were patriotic. So a lot of these films are about the the power of the community to kind of rally together and um, solve a, a common problem. Um, uh, these were movies that, you know, not only made people feel good, but, you know, feel good about, you know, being in America sure. at this time in the 1940s. But I would also argue that what's interesting about a lot of these films at the time, even the seemingly feel-good films, like It's a Wonderful Life, is there's a kind of dark subtext mm. to it as well. And there's a, a great book called Power and Paranoia by a film scholar named Dana Poland, and it's all about the 1940s. And a lot of these films are kind of holding in tension a feel-good small-town comedy and a dark 
twisted film noir, kind of right in the in the same um, in the same story. And I think It's a Wonderful Life is in some ways an explicit example of that because it is this feel good small town comedy until you get to the last 20 <laughs> minutes of that film. And I would say that's some of the most wrenching, bleak material that we're seeing in a mainstream Hollywood film in, in 1946, where George Bailey is considering suicide and he sees what Bedford Falls would look like had he never been born. And, you know, he's comes home to his family and he doesn't seem like such a such a nice guy after all. There's a kind of darker side to that character that comes out at the end of that film. Yeah, that's one of the, I, I do think of that because when you rewatch it, those scenes or the scenes with, you know, his fiance and then wife, there's a kind of violence in that. There's exactly. a real uh, kind of unsettling level that you kind of forget when your memory of the film exactly. is, you know, uh, Clarence getting his wings and, yeah. and, and the kind of goofy parts of it. And it's funny that you kind of forget that darker undercurrent. Yeah. And even something like Meet Me in St. Louis, that song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, is a very melancholy song. And it's about a family moving. And there's this kind of disruption in the the sort of perfect, what now looks like almost this kind of Norman Rockwell or sort of American sitcom kind of family dynamic. And um, the, the little girl in that film, Tootie, is like, you know, beheading these snow people that are made on the front <laughs> lawn. And Judy Garland is singing this really uh, sort of devastating, um, even though we think of that as, as a you know beloved Christmas text, there's, there's a kind of sad undercurrent to that film too. Mm, I wonder if there's something to be said about Christmas as a whole, but we'll leave that aside <laughs> uh, unless we get too many uh, letters from our listeners. Um, so I'm wondering about the, the stars, stars. You've mentioned some of the iconic folks like Barbara Stanwyck and, mm-hmm. and Judy Garland and others. Was there... An importance of having major stars in Christmas movies? Was that a particular part of building? Because I think about, you know, Jimmy Cagney and the gangster film mm-hmm. or later John Wayne and, and the Western. And so that kind of creation of the star around a particular kind of film, romantic comedy or whatever it might be. Was there something about the Christmas movie that really helped to move certain stars forward? It's an interesting question, and it sort of raises the question of, is the Christmas movie a genre unto itself? Um, Which is probably a a more theoretical question than our our viewers may want to engage with, but I've often wondered that myself. Um, I think that the classical Hollywood period was invested in star vehicles, um, and they were invested in building films around particular stars. So um, the Christmas movie being a kind of byproduct of the classical Hollywood period would naturally feature stars that that the studio wanted to showcase. But I think the reason we see maybe certain stars over others you know, I don't remember seeing um, Edward G. Robinson, for example, in a Christmas movie. Maybe maybe there are Christmas movies with him, but we think of gangster movies with Edward G. Robinson or, um, you know, some of the, these uh, these darker, tough guys. Um, the, the stars that we see are stars that were known for romantic comedies like Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray, um, uh, small town comedies like Jimmy Stewart, whose whole star persona was like the good Joe, right? The, the all-American guy who could be your your buddy um uh the you know uh fred astaire um these are stars that featured in genres year round that uh lent themselves to um a kind of christmas angle 
I almost wonder if it's like, you know, there was a period, uh, and again, some of the younger folks may not remember this, but there was a period where uh, every major musical artist had to release a Christmas album. Yeah, like, no matter who yeah, you were, yeah. you had to have a Christmas album. And it almost mm-hmm. feels like this was a, a Hollywood precursor. Like if you were a certain kind of romantic star yes. or a comedy star or musical star at a certain level of fame, it was almost obligatory you were going to show up in a Santa outfit. Exactly, exactly. And also, like, the the question of does timing make a movie a Christmas movie? Because there are movies set at Christmas time that are not released at Christmas. And then there are movies where Christmas doesn't feature a really prominent role, but it's there, and the movie is released at Christmas time, so it gets associated with Christmas. Um, Sure. So, again... What of, is a Christmas movie? Yeah, well, yeah. that's that is an interesting question. Now, I do have to ask because I know your your latest book that's just come out is about Gene Tierney, who certainly was one of the the biggest stars of, of this era. Mm-hmm. I, I, to my knowledge, I don't know of Gene Tierney being in a Christmas movie. What was Gene Tierney no. in a Christmas movie? Or um, no, at least the the movies that I watched multiple times for my book, I don't remember <laughs> her in in sort of a Christmas mise en scène. But I. I yeah, I don't. I mean, she was. She's in a, a a horror film called Dragonwick, and so that I would. That's a Halloween movie. Um, her her most famous movies don't really have a kind of holiday theme. That's interesting. Enough. I wonder yeah. if that if I wonder why she didn't get positioned as a Barbara Stanwyck did or you know, well, as a Judy Garland. Did. Partly, I think because she couldn't sing or dance, even in the, <laughs> even the few movies where like she was in a musical, but um, uh, I don't I don't think she sings or dances. And there's one movie where she sings, but her singing is dubbed, and she wasn't known as a a kind of rom com star. Sure. Um, so that that may have been. Can you, yeah. So I guess there were those those stars who were either too dark, like we certainly don't have a Bella Lugosi or Boris Karloff. Well, until, I, I until, would watch that. I would definitely watch a Bella Lugosi <laughs> Christmas. Um, or like you say, Edward G. Robinson or uh-huh. Gene Tierney. So maybe there are some stars that were just too serious. Because I right. do think of all the people we're mentioning, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, these were all Good actors, serious actors, yeah. but there was they a certain a, lightness to a silly side. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a little bit. Now I have to ask, uh, you know, since you spend a lot of time watching movies because mm-hmm. that's your job, uh, <laughs> do you have a personal favorite or maybe some personal favorites in the Christmas classic yeah. period? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'm, I must confess, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the sort of like feel the stereotypical like feel good christmas movie so most of my favorite christmas movies tend to have like a darker hue to them <laughs> i know you know this movie because you work on horror but there's a horror film called black christmas oh, which yes. is a, a canadian slasher film and a precursor to halloween and friday the 13th the nightmare on elm street it is really scary even still and yep. um i've watched that my wife and I have watched that around holiday time, like for the last few years. So it's become kind of a, a Christmas classic, at least in our house. I don't think we're recommending that to folks. Although we do, I should say to listeners, we will have an episode coming up that is going to look at uh, Christmas horror, particularly the oh. ghost story tradition that oh, was a cool. very big part of British culture. So we're going to look at some 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 of the darker sides of Christmas. Yeah. Are there is there anything that doesn't involve yes. uh, murder uh, and uh, and Margot and, Kidder, uh, Superman's <laughs> wife? If horror is not your thing for Christmas time, <laughs> it's not an American film. It's a Swedish film called Fanny and Alexander by the director Ingmar Bergman. And I think the less one knows about that film going into it, the better. I, I think it is just extraordinary. It's a long film, it's a full three hours. So you want to set aside time for it. But it's about family and memory and coming of age and magic and imagination. And the first, I don't know, 
third of the film is is set during Christmas time, and it, it has some really memorable Christmas imagery. No, a beautiful film, but a long film. It is definitely not. <laughs> now, thinking back to the classical period, which I noticed none of your choices are from the classical period. <laughs> Duly noted. We've written, we've written that down. Is there a period where the classical Christmas movie comes to an end? Is it just when the studio system sort of falls apart in the 60s? Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the Christmas movies sort of migrate to television at mm. that time. And I would suggest that the Christmas, just, just so that people don't revoke my classical Hollywood historian <laughs> card here, there are some classical Hollywood Christmas movies that I really love. I really love It's a Wonderful Life. But it's for that kind of darker edge to it that we were talking about earlier. And I think Christmas movies got darker and darker into the 40s, into the 50s. There are, surprisingly, a number of noir films that are set at Christmas time um, and melodramas that are very cynical about the family um, set at Christmas time. All That Heaven Allows is is an example of that. So Christmas movies become darker. And by the the 1960s, a lot of the sort of happy, like family-oriented Christmas films that we think of when we think of Christmas movies are on television, like the Rankin and Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the stop-motion animation. There was a whole cycle of films that used this stop-motion animation. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which has Boris Karloff's voice. I was saying Boris Karloff was in the television. Um, And then uh, uh, Frosty the Snowman, animated film. And a lot of families are watching movies on television at this time. So it's a kind of natural progression. And, you know, holiday specials and even Christmas episodes of TV series. And then, you know, Christmas movies that were theatrically released at one point get shown on television. And that's actually how It's a Wonderful Life became a Christmas classic. It was not a big box office hit when it came out. And it was because it fell out of copyright that they were able to show it on TV over and over again. And it got taken up belatedly as a Christmas classic. But it wasn't the instant holiday favorite that no audiences did not care for it maybe because it was a little too dark. I think so. Yeah. Especially, Mm -hmm. you know, Jimmy Stewart, we're expecting, you know, we don't want to see him shaking, violently shaking his wife. No, on on the screen. That is not not Mr. Smith. Yeah. (laughs) Now, talking of a darker turn, you know, more recently, we certainly have had a lot more films mm-hmm. uh, that are maybe not Christmas movies. Let's call them Christmas adjacent movies mm-hmm. uh, that have ha- ha- entered into a lot of different genres. Are there some favorites of yours that are Christmas-like movies? Christmas-like movies. So in terms of fairly recent films, uh, a favorite of mine from like the last uh, seven, eight years is a movie called Carol, which is not a Christmas movie in the way that we've been talking about Christmas movies so far. Um, it's it's a melodrama. It's a lesbian love story about these two women that find each other in the 1950s when um, it was a much more sexually conservative period. And so they they are sort of closeted and, and, and um, uh, their relationship is sort of under the radar and it sort of intersects the storyline intersects with Christmas time. So that's kind of in the background. And it actually I, I thought of it like, wow, this would be a great movie to watch at Christmas time. I just really fell in love with the film. But apparently a lot of other people had that reaction to it. And the Metrograph, which is an art house theater in New York City, starts started showing the movie at Christmas time pretty regularly after it came out. And so it's become this sort of uh, cult Christmas classic um, for I, I, I love the film, but I have never I had I would until you reminded me it was around Christmas time. Yeah. I had completely forgotten that. So. so I think that's a good kind of Christmas adjacent or Christmas 
Yeah, Christmas background sort of movie. Now I have to ask, Die Hard is Die um, Hard a Christmas movie? This of is course. The, okay. Yeah, um, and uh, I don't. Interestingly, I don't think that film was released at Christmas time. I think it was a summer action so. movie. But Christmas is so prominent in that film. I would definitely consider it a Christmas movie. Yes. Now I've got a machine gun. Absolutely. <laughs> um, are there are there recent films like films in the last decade or so? So Carol, you would put up there that, mm-hmm. that you would think of. And I guess I want to maybe start by focusing on maybe more traditional, although we've established we don't know if there is a Christmas movie genre, but let me entertain the idea that there's something like a Christmas movie genre that entails family and romance and reconciliation and, mm-hmm. and is kind of centered on the holiday. Are there films in the last decade or so that have that kind of motif that you say, yeah, that could sit on the shelf next to It's a Wonderful Life from right, Miracle on 34th right, Street? Right. Well, having kind of confessed earlier that I don't, typically like those kind of movies. They probably are out there and I just sort of missed them. But I, I know that a lot of those like what now seem almost like cliche Christmas movies that, that embrace the Christmas movie as a genre and sort yeah. of follow this kind of formula, they're on Hallmark. And so the the movies that I think are the heir to the classical mm-hmm. Hollywood Christmas film are these Hallmark family comedies or family romantic melodramas that are often about like a community, you know, kind of coming together at Christmas time or, you know, a, a family reconciling in a sort of humorous and bittersweet way. You know, that I I don't watch these movies. So I don't I don't have any that I can think of off the top of my head, but I, I always see ads for them and, and you know, uh, posters and things like that, and so I, I know I know they're out there. Now I should say not to make this the plug show, but another uh, episode in our special series on Christmas will feature a couple of screenwriters who have written some of the romantic comedies That's that right. have been featured okay. at Christmas. So we and, are and you're doing sh- a great job of setting up the month. Thank you, Will. Some were shot in Syracuse, if I'm not that mistaken. Is right. yeah. That is right. They also have a new novel, but we'll get to them. We'll get to them. <laughs> I want to stay with you for a second. I, the one I think of, and I do believe it's Christmas, is Planes, Trains, and Automobile, which I only recently just kind of ran across probably sitting at a hotel waiting yeah. for something, uh, and was reminded that was a very traditional, awkward buddy, try to get home right. for the holidays. It, it has an uplifting ending. Yep. So I don't know. For me, that was the one, uh, that and Nightmare Before Christmas, which oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. deeply affectionate towards. Uh, so Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I could be wrong about this, but I think it's a Thanksgiving movie. I think they're trying to get I home for Thanksgiving. Right. And that's interesting because we don't have this category of Thanksgiving films. You know, when people say holiday movies, the the default assumption is we're talking about Christmas movies. And it's interesting that there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving films, but that is one that I know is shown around Thanksgiving time. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and I think that's another kind of Christmas-adjacent film because I, I think – one could argue it's it's a Halloween film too. Is it is it both? It's a fall movie. We can put it that way. <laughs> Someone once asked me, "Do you watch Nightmare on Before Christmas on Halloween or Christmas?" And I said, "Why does why do you have to choose?" Exactly. Like, you know, you should the, watch it year the, round. The, you should absolutely watch it year round. Now, speaking of year round, uh, as we're coming to the holidays, it is time to determine Will Scheibel if you have been naughty or nice, oh. <laughs> and we will do that by playing your favorite game, a quick game we call the Fast Five. As you will remember, this yes. entails five either or questions. Not surprisingly, uh, this time drawn from uh, many of the classic. Uh, Christmas films we've been talking about. So, oh, Will, great. if you are ready yes, to face judgment, always. we'll start with <laughs> question number one. Which of these would you rather find wrapped under your Christmas tree? Would it be Zuzu's Petals from It's a Wonderful Life or Cary Grant's Ice Skates from 1947 classic The Bishop's Wife? 
probably the ice skates because I could go ice skating, whereas the pedals, I don't know. Once I have them, I don't know what I would do with them. You, you would sell them for a lot of money. That right? I guess that's true. Yeah, if they're the original pedals. But well, and I have to say, uh, and I hate to interrupt the gay, but my favorite part of the bishop's wife is the clearly body double professional <laughs> skater who skates for a Cary Grant and pulls off a series of pirouettes. So oh, I would yeah. like those ice skates just because evidently they magically make you uh, skate. Right. It's like the red shoes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so question number two for you, uh, as we've talked about, holiday often involves uh, travel. So what is your preferred Christmas destination? Would it be a Christmas in Connecticut or to meet me in St. Louis? Probably Connecticut. Um, I've never spent Christmas in Connecticut. I've never spent Christmas in St. Louis either, but Connecticut just sort of seems like more of a Christmas town. <laughs> it feels like you're more likely to get snow and less likely to get sludge. So speaking yeah. of Meet Me in St. Louis, as we were talking about earlier, uh, the Judy Garland film uh, features one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. So I'm going to ask you to make a choice between uh -huh. two of the classic movie Christmas songs. If you had to pick the greatest Christmas movie song of all time, would it be Garland singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or Bing Crosby's version of White Christmas from Holiday Inn? Hmm, that's a tough one. I think Bing Crosby's White Christmas, actually. Uh, I'm not sure why, but I think it's just when I think of Christmas songs, I think of it before the Judy Garland film. Yeah. Maybe there's a little tinge of sadness in that Judy Garland song, especially Maybe. if you watch the film and you know it. So question number yeah. four for you. Who is your preferred Santa? Is it Edmund Gwynn from Miracle on 34th Street? Or Tom Hanks in the recent Polar Express. Who would you rather have coming down your chimney? Oh, Edmund Gwynn, definitely. Uh, Tom Hanks in the Polar Express is just kind of creepy. That CGI, <laughs> uncanny, is it human, is it not? So we do not want the uncanny valley coming. Okay, right. good point. We'll make sure we send a live Christmas Santa <laughs> to you. So finally, uh, Will, question number five. While there are many Christmas classics, there are also some, let's say, less than classics. So which of these titles are you least likely <laughs> to put on for this holiday season? Would it be 1964's Santa Claus Conquers the Martians or 1996's Santa with Muscles featuring Hulk Hogan in the iconic red suit? The question is, which would I rather watch? or Which are you least likely to watch? The, the Hulk Hogan one. Um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians just sounds awesome. Um, I think I would watch that unironically. You would, you would just take it. it. Yeah. Now, I can tell you, the Santa with muscles actually has Ed Begley Jr. in it. So it's a oh. surprisingly uh, star-studded cast, yeah, although right. it features Hulk Hogan. So, Will, as always, we have to end the, our pop life by asking you, what are you loving in pop culture? Are there shows you're watching, music you're listening to? What is on your pop life radar? Yeah, so I would make a plug for, in terms of music, an album that came out earlier this year, and I've been listening to it almost every day on my way to work. Um, it's Sharon Van Etten's We've Been Going About This All Wrong. It's one of the best albums. It's one of my new favorite albums, and I love Sharon Van Etten. I saw her uh, in concert here at Beacon Skiff last, last summer when she was promoting it, and I thought that was astounding. Um, in terms of movies... So this movie should be available by the time this episode airs um, because it's a I know it's Netflix is planning to release it for the holidays. But I saw it at the Toronto Film Festival and it's the sequel to Knives Out called Glass Onion, which has no narrative continuity with the first one. But the main character, the detective played by Daniel Craig, appears in this film and he's solving a, a brand new mystery. I didn't like it as much as the first one. I didn't find it quite as fresh or clever. But as sequels go, it is really entertaining. I think if people enjoyed the first one, they would 
def- this is definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. And the first one was such a big hit. Yeah. At least quite surprisingly so. And so undoubtedly, if, when this hits Netflix, everyone's going to be streaming it there. Well, thank you, uh, Will, for not only giving us some great uh, pop culture uh, advice, but sharing with us a lot about Christmas movies. I think we're all ready to settle down, get Mm -hmm. a big blanket, get in front of the fire and turn on the television. Uh, To our listeners, I'll say thanks for letting us slide down your chimney this season. (laughs) As always, if you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us on social media. We are at WAER on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm Kendall Phillips reminding you to join me for the next episodes in our Christmas movie series featuring an episode on Christmas ghost stories and an episode all about those Christmas romance movies. I will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Pop Life, a production of WAER, Syracuse Public Media. You can find archived episodes at WAER.org. And don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you listen for automatic delivery of new episodes. 